Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mindset Reset, and I'm your host, Ben Newton. This is the third episode in our four-part series with Sean Acor, best-selling author and world-renowned speaker. In the last episode, we learned how to inoculate our brain against anxiety and stress by doing things like building a moat around your day. In this episode, we're going to talk about how you can become more adaptive in the face of uncertainty and change. You know, so so moving on to our, our third topic now, um, you know, I, I can I can definitely see in the midst of a crisis like this. And you actually talked about this, Sean, with what what you, um, you know, dealt with these with these banks in the 2008 crisis, that it's really easy to get in a rut and spin on the negativity or, or even spin on unrealistic positivity. So as, as part of that, how do we stay adaptive and productive when we're surrounded by all this uncertainty and change? I mean, how do we. How does what you've been talking about, the rational optimism, uh, these, the, you know, this, this mindset change, how does that make you actually more adaptive, adaptive? So talk a little bit about that. So I think what we're going for at Root is uh, how do we create a growth mindset in the midst of challenge and stress? What's so easy to do right now and will be easy to do as long as this crisis is going on uh, with high levels of uncertainty is to catalog all the negative things that are going to happen because there are a ton of them. And we have to be realistic that there are a ton of negative things that are going to happen to this world, economically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all of those things. That being said, if you stop there, and you know, when I have a bad day, um, my brain gets into this pattern of, yeah, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. What I'm doing is I'm <laughs> scanning for more reasons to feel justified for that negativity. So when I talk to my mm-hmm. wife about it, she understands why I'm having a, such a bad day. And <laughs> what she's good at is she, she listens and she's like, yeah, that, that, you know, I can see why you'd be so frustrated about that. Um, and then once she's acknowledged the negative, then she makes a switch and she start, Michelle starts talking about, um, you know, some of the good things that were going on. She helps me a little bit and I don't want to hear it, right? At first, my brain's like, nope, nope, those don't count because all these negative things are going on. And then your brain actually pauses for a second because it can't do both at the same time. And then your brain starts to maybe think about, there were actually a couple of good things that happened. Yeah, my flight was delayed by three hours, but I made it home to, you know, two beautiful kids, right? Um, And what we're finding is that in the midst of this, if we stop the cataloging of the negatives that's going to happen to our family um, and to your family and to a lot of families in the world, there's nothing to look forward to, right? Because we've just cataloged all the, the horrors that can happen. But on the other side, you know, we have to take a realistic assessment. The realistic assessment also includes the good, right? So as we've been discussing already, you know, is it possible that when we emerge from this, we might be financially worse off as a family? But we will actually have some incredible positive habits and deeper social connection than we've ever had before. That's absolutely possible. And and what I'm seeing based upon even the past week, that's highly likely that's going to happen, right? I'm starting to make all these positive habits in my life. I'm dedicating more time to meditation and to social connection. We're reaching out as a family, not hunkering down. So we're doing more altruism than we've done in the past. I'm reconnecting the people that I haven't in the past. We're doing these great things as a family that might create family traditions. So it'll continue on. So what I'm, doing now is I'm now cataloging how my life might actually be better, what parts of it will be better on the backside of this. It doesn't discount the fact that there is negative and that we're going to hit have a huge financial hit as a family. 
what it is also doing is the realistic assessment of growth as possible in the midst of this. And actually, we find growth occurs much more in places of high challenge and stress than it does in periods of stagnation, right? It's the interesting times that actually lead to higher levels of growth for individuals. So what's so interesting is that we try to decrease stress in life and challenges um, when those are the very things that cause us to be the type of person we are. One of the things I used to do with my students at Harvard is I would have them think of the three moments in their life that changed them the most, that made them the person that they are. And 90% of the things that they come up with were high stress things, right? We see this with- Oh, interesting. Right? You know, it'll be people being like, I lost that job or that girl broke up with me and it completely changed, or I didn't get the internship that I expected, or, you know, like I didn't get into the college I wanted to, or like I get kicked out of the Marines and then suddenly- and what you find is that these high stress, high unexpected, high uncertainty moments lead us to the exact type of person that we want to be later on in life. So we oftentimes flee from the very things that cause us the most growth. So in the midst of that, what does that look, what, what do we need to be doing? I think one is we need to be cataloging how our life might be better um, in the, and create positive changes that can lead to that outcome. The other thing is from, from uh, the, the work that I was, I, I wrote a book uh, a while ago, you mentioned earlier, uh, Before Happiness, and we, one of the things I looked at in there was we were studying what is it that causes the brain to move forward? Um, what makes it feel like change is possible? And when you've got a goal in front of you, um, two things propel you towards a goal. One of them is the perception of progress, right? Like you feel like you've come a long way, right? You see how high up you're almost at the top of the hill, right? You just keep going, right? Um, the other one is uh, well, and that's, that's related to this one is uh, proximity to the finish. So either seeing hmm. massive progress or that you're close to the finish line, one of those two options. What happens in the midst of what we're experiencing right now is that we tell ourselves over and over again, this is unprecedented, which in some ways it is. We've never dealt with a global uh, pandemic like we're dealing with by shutting everything down. That's true. Um, but it's not unprecedented in, in terms of entire economy shutting down because of a crisis. That happens multiple times a century, right? Um, it's not unprecedented we're going through financial challenges or that there's health challenges within our, our lives, right? We're seeing that we've experienced this either as individuals or as societies multiple times, and we've overcome them each time. So what happens is we get stuck believing this is unprecedented, so there's nothing we can compare this to. And the other side of it is it's uncertain, so you have no idea when it's going to end. So coming back to that, that goal research, right, you have no idea where the finish line is, right? So in the midst of that, our brain starts to feel powerless. We actually create learned helplessness on the backside of this. Uh, so what we need to be doing is creating short-term goals, right? I think, you know, we set New Year's resolutions that don't always go so well at the beginning of January. That's because we're too busy, right? We're a little bit less busy now. This is the best time to be creating uh, a resolution, right? Like, okay. Yeah. In the midst of this, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to make sure I do push-ups every day or I'm going to eat one piece of fruit, keep me healthy, whatever it is that somebody decides to do. I don't, I actually don't think it matters what it is. What I think matters is creating a goal that's short-term that their brain can feel progress towards that makes them take a next step and a next step. And that's how people walk themselves out of paralysis, creating a growth mindset. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's a really interesting way to think about it. And, you know, and, you know, you, you reminded me, my, my wife encouraged me to, uh, start doing PE with my kids and doing burpees every day, but I, I, I talked her out of that. So, you know, there's other ways to stay active, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I do need to start doing that with them. Burpees, but, uh, that's, that's a high bar. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they were, 
They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and you, you also remind me, I was, I was, I was trying to find a kind of the source of this quote, but I remember when I grew, grew up or, you know, I, I remember talking about it. 90% of life is your attitude and 10% is what happens to you. And, and I, one of my, one of the people at work helped me find out there was at least Charles Swindoll, uh, has said that at some point. And, uh, you know, I, that, that's, it, it's always stuck with me that you, you can get focused on the circumstances around you, but there's so much of it is, is how you, how you think about it. And there's so many people that we look up to in life that, um, have done amazing things, uh, that had a lot of adversity, but they managed to, you know, have that growth mindset you're talking about and, yeah. and, and plow through it. And it's, it's a, it's a pretty core skill set. So that, that can be something good to come out of this, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I dare say all of them, all of our heroes, they've got that huge yeah. crisis adversity moment, right? Like we kind of think, oh, it's always easy for them, right? Like, you know, the Michael Jordans of the world were always amazing at basketball and everything was always good, right? You know, and then they get cut from their high school basketball team and you hear like these incredible adversity things you just don't expect for somebody. So, you know, I get that as a happiness researcher. Like people are like, assume you're happy all the time, right? And it's not like I do the research <laughs> from a place where I started at the bottom of depression, right? And I, it taught me that depression was not the end of the story, but it, I think that everyone has those moments of adversity. Um, but coming back to that stress research, what we're finding is that those stress moments are actually what creates us into the type of person that we hope we become later on in life, right? Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, one thing that is, is I was thinking through these, these, these topics. I mean, what do you, you know, just like all of us are, you know, we're, we're different. We're, we're formed differently. You know, you, you said you're an introvert. I'm, I'm an extrovert. Do I feel like as I get older, I, I, I need more alone time. I don't know what this means. I'm becoming an introvert, but, you know, there's also like between people that are naturally optimistic and pessimistic, you know, cynical, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's definitely, um, we all kind of come at things from a different way. So if you, if you don't feel like you're a natural optimist, how do you, how do you come out of that? What do you suggest for somebody like that? You're like, well, that's not usually the way I think. Uh, how do you, how do they go about really overcoming that? I, th I think whereas there's really, there's high benefits to being an extrovert or an introvert, right? There's high benefits to having people that are detail oriented and high benefits to having people that are big picture people, right? Like we need all those types of people. I think depending on how you define pessimism, pessimism is always a, a negative trait um, uh, and, and one that isn't, does, isn't beneficial. So what I'm saying about that is not, it's not a place we want to stop at. Um, so example of that is um, both optimists and pessimists can both see a problem, but the pessimists will become paralyzed by the problem because they believe their behavior doesn't matter. The optimist believes their behavior matters and they keep going. Um, so we find that pessimism is never adaptive, right? Um, but uh, what is amazing is if somebody has a genetic predisposition towards pessimism or they practice pessimism for eight decades of their life, what we're finding is these positive habits can shift them to higher levels of optimism in a very short period of time with a very short investment of energy. So I, I think happiness isn't, you know, the belief that, you know, we don't need any change. Happiness is the, the awareness that change is possible. Um, so with somebody who's currently a pessimist, um, I would have them uh, practice these gratitudes, uh, do that for a period of 21 days in a row. Think of three new things that they're grateful for. What happens um, when we do the research is their levels of optimism rise, right? These people that we thought were pessimists that couldn't change, they change. And then they're more likely to take other steps where they start doing other things that they hadn't been doing in the past. We've, 
our greatest champions in the companies that we work with in the schools, our greatest champions for this work were pessimists who started doing this, uh, even though they didn't want to, begrudgingly, <laughs> actually worked. Then they saw an impact upon them and then they forced everyone around them to do it as well, <laughs> right? Like they, become, they turn on fire for it because they realize that one, change is possible and two, optimism is such an advantage in people's lives. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I can think of times in my life, both recently and, and longer ago, where, you know, it just, it just seemed like, you know, the, the world's coming at you. Yes. You know, and, 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 uh, and then, you know, something the other, either something I did or something around me changed, changed my, you know, the way I was looking at it. And then every, everything changed. It yes. was, it was like there was a, you know, this big turning point. It wasn't like the world just suddenly changed, but, right. you know, how you, yeah. yeah, I think that's, but, but, you know, back to what you're talking about, these, this habit forming, uh, about changing the way you, you do things and how you start your day. Uh, this probably means my, my kids are going to tell me I can't listen to NPR in the car anymore when I take them to school, whenever that starts back. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and, and something that maybe just one other thing I want to touch on that you said that I think I find really interesting is you, one thing you seem to be getting at a little bit is that how, different people can look at the exact same situation and come back with a very different description of that reality. I mean, there's, there's physics, things happen. Uh, you know, the molecules do something, you know, air moves in a certain way, whatever, but then different people can observe that and come away with, uh, you know, di very different realities. So, I mean, does that make sense what I'm saying? It does. Yeah. You know, I, this is not my area of expertise, but you know, what little I understand of like Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, you know, and, and what we're seeing some quantum physics is even the act of observing changes the outcome um, uh, of the way that light, you know, moves. That's, that's my knowledge cliff. So what I'm saying is that like the way that we observe the world has an impact upon um, what's occurring there. I think that there are multiple realities at any moment. And so if a pessimist or somebody on Twitter is pointing out all the negative in the world, they're absolutely right. A lot of times, right? There's a lot of yeah. negative things that are going on. So if you just say, no, that's completely not true. Obviously there's fake news, but in addition to that, like that negative mindset, they're just cataloging a realistic assessment of one part of that reality. The problem is that reality is not an adaptive one for them. What we're finding is that if there's multiple realities that you can pick from and look at different ways. You want to pick the most adaptive possible reality to deal with that situation. Um, and especially when you get to pick it, like I remember I was in Boston and this guy shoved past me really hard on the subway while I was just holding on to one of the poles and then got off the subway. And my first reaction was anger, right? Like he, yeah. pushed, he pushed me, right? Like that hurt actually. And like, you know, how self uh, selfish this guy could possibly be to like not even care about the world and push me out of the way. And like, these are the types of people, right? Your brain goes down that whole path. And I thought, yeah. I have no idea where that guy's going. Right. I had this moment of lucidity where I was like, you know, that he might've just found out his, his wife got cancer. Right. And he's just devastated and had to get off the subway as quickly as possible. Right. Or that guy's been depressed for three years. Right. And uh, he, he's going through a very hard time. Right. Or whatever it is. Right. He just lost a child, whatever it is. Suddenly I'm totally okay that he went through that because I'm thinking of uh, like that he pushed me because I'm feeling sympathy for this guy because he just lost a child. Right. And so, I have no idea what the reality was in that moment. So this is one of those places where we get to pick it, right? I have no idea what, I know he pushed into me, but my perception of it 
I can either sit there and stew for the next three hours, which is what would have happened normally, right? I would be like, you know, if somebody honks at you and you feel like it's unjust, you feel it the whole way to work, right? Um, Or I could sit here and feel sympathy for this guy and be like, you know, I'm so grateful I have my kids, whatever it is in that moment. What you have is you're picking a reality that actually moves you forward to create a real reality that's better. Well, you know, and in, in, I know uh, something that a couple people, a wiser than myself has said to me before is that usually when, when you see people reacting to you in a certain way, it rarely, if ever has anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to kind of focus back on ourselves and like, Oh, they don't like me. They're being mean to me. Well, the, the reality is, is, you know, I, I don't know, 90 times, 99 times out of a hundred, it's actually something else is going on with them right? in that moment in time. And we could be that person another day. Yeah. You no, know, I'm the angry driver. That's the other part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this, this is, this is really great, Sean. Cause I, I, I think maintaining, you know, like you said, we have no idea how long some of this stuff is going to last. And, we're going to have to maintain that kind of momentum. And so, you know, things that really stuck out for me, what you said is, you know, one, focusing on short-term goals, not just focusing on the end point, which is probably unknowable in a time like this, um, you know, focusing on short-term goals, what am I going to do today, what I'm going to do tomorrow, next week, really creating things that you can see forward progress and, and actually cataloging those things. Uh, in, and, and I think, you know, particularly what you, what you said there at the end about uh, you, you can actually choose to see the reality around you in a certain way. It's not like you're, you're not realistically, uh, you know, seeing it, you know, all my physics nonsense aside. Uh, but you know, you can, you can choose to view it in, in a positive, more adaptive light rather than always seeing the negative. And I, I think that's a, that's a pretty amazing way to go about it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Mindset Reset. This has been the third episode in a four-part series. In our fourth and final episode of the series, we're going to learn how to uncover more possibilities with a growth mindset by doing things like changing the activation level of activities that you want to do more of, like, say, running, and those you want to do less of, like eating cookies. So thanks for spending time with us and see you on the next episode of Mindset Reset. Masters of Data is brought to you by Sumo Logic. Sumo Logic is a cloud-native machine data analytics platform delivering real-time continuous intelligence as a service to build, run, and secure modern applications. Sumo Logic empowers the people who power modern business, For more information, go to sumologic.com.